This week's episode of the Star Wars Report is brought to you by the good folks supporting us over on patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. Let's do the show, folks. Come, come, come. And who might you be? It's the Star Wars Report. Star Wars Report. Woo! Star Wars Report. The place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. Then we can do something epic. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. The Force. It's calling to you. Just let it in. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Star Wars Report podcast. Episode 460... Seven. It doesn't work. It doesn't sound as good. Uh, but hey, welcome. I'm your host, Riley Bland. Uh, glad to be back behind the microphone talking all things Star Wars. Joining me is a returning guest host and Star Wars fan extraordinaire, Mr. Scott Rifen. What's going on, Scott? All is wonderful. How yes. are you, sir? Uh, fantabulous. Now, you and I just had a great pre-show conversation. Uh, great for that, us, yeah. That uh, that you can catch if you <laughs> if you're in a narrow um, this this is what Rogue Transmissions is. It's just like whatever's on our minds, pre-show banter, and and, and this time it was all things DVC, uh, Disney Vacation Club. We were nerding out about uh, Disney res- various Disney resorts and vacations. I'm I'm feeling that, coming off of this um this recent vacation, we were finally able to take a vacation for the first time in uh. Well, like almost two years. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm ready to go back to the parks. We've been yes. to the parks a couple times uh, during COVID restrictions, but as numbers have improved and the Disney parks have they're updating their guidance, more restaurants and things are reopening. It's 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 an exciting exciting time for uh, Disney fans and Star Wars fans for that matter. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I got to tell you, we you know we went last year. It was part of the discussion we had. We were eleven days last summer when they first mm-hmm. reopened, and I was very impressed with their safety pro- protocols and everything. Uh, wearing a mask in a hundred degree heat, <laughs> hundred and seven, I think it was a couple of the days we were there. Yeah, uh, not a lot of fun. But I will say, outside of that fact, mm-hmm. it was probably one of the most amazing stays we have ever had down there. Oh, that's awesome! I, it, yeah. it is, and it's like. Um, that's something we didn't talk about, but like I'll say it right here. Like for me, Hollywood Studios, it, it was the first Disney park I ever went to during a Star Wars weekends. That was my first exposure to the Disney parks was squarely because of my Star Wars fandom and because of the podcast uh, here. And so it's this big kind of it's 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 becoming nostalgia for me. Star Wars at the parks. It's like a big part of my mm. fandom and memory of being a Star Wars fan because that's like gosh like. 10 years ago almost uh when i first started when i first went to the parks so it's kind of weird how you know star wars weekends are now this sort of like part of disney lore like something that once happened at the parks and it's when i hear other people talk about like when star tours opened or like when mgm became hollywood studios like these old like Mm -hmm. history of the disney parks for me i'm now old enough to like like recount these ancient eras of the disney parks when they used to do star wars weekends yes Yes, I saw some people reminiscing and posting old pictures of them the other day. We, we'd go to those as as much as we could. That was just a great time. I I still don't buy into their basic tenet that well every day is Star Wars weekend. Every weekend is Star no. Wars weekend at the mm-hmm. studios. It's like, but those were so special. Well, what they allowed us to do is like make them mini Star Wars celebrations, which is what they yes. were like. They be it would become a time to make your pilgrimage to the park. Yep. Um, and so there would be a sense of community at at Hollywood Studios, which is definitely not there now and not there on a normal day because you just knew it was Star Wars weekends. This was when all the biggest Star Wars fans were there. So it really felt atmospherically like Star Wars Celebration. Yeah. Which is yeah. also coming back. We talked about that last week on the show because of the um, uh, they not only is it coming back, but they announced they're moving it up, which I think shows some confidence in the uh, the trend in COVID numbers and how that's impacted fandom oh, yeah. and conventions and all that stuff i saw freaking a- ashley Eckstein on instagram like posting from one of the first the first convention she and, and and her universe has had a presence at since this whole thing kicked off well it's about time i mean it really uh, oh I, it, I think everybody is ready to just explode not being able to go do these things not being able to go see these things uh you know we were kind of as i mentioned last year when we went to disney we were just we were cooped up 
we were here. My wife is a teacher, so she had to kind of completely relearn how to do her job. Mm. Um, I am essential personnel as a broadcaster, so I had to go to work every day. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were just ready. And one of the things that we were both saying is, you know, this COVID thing is horrible, but we are damned if we're not going to get out of here and and just be able to enjoy ourselves finally because everything was just so intense. You know, we had some other things going on here locally as well yeah. that kind of became – you know, huge news. And so, uh, we just really needed to get away. And yeah. I, I can't imagine other people waited another year be- on top of that almost, you know, to, to start going out and doing things. I, I can't even imagine how those people must feel. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. I, I'm so excited. Like Star Wars Celebration, I'm, 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 I'm doing my, uh, my best to get out there. I think, I think I'll be able to make it. Are, are you, um, are you on the list? Are you planning on heading out to Anaheim next year? No, I wasn't planning on going in the first place. Mm. Uh, and then the date, and then I started thinking, well, maybe we do it. And then the date change really made it like, no, nah, this is not happening. Oh, uh, not, not this time. Yeah, it's just, it's right in the middle of, well, I can talk about it because we're not actually broadcasting over the air. Mm, uh, yes. But this time of year is ratings for me. Ah, yes. And yes, I can take the time off. But no, it does not behoove me to take the time off. <laughs> that's fair. So yeah, mm, yeah, that's I, true. I try to be there as much as I can. When people are writing down what they're listening to, I try to make sure I'm there off, as often as possible to give them something to write down. That's fair. In in your line of work, that that only makes sense as a professional yeah. broadcaster, uh, which I appreciate you lending your your professional experience to this. You know, I, I you know I think of the um I think of the Star Wars report and Mouse and Castle for that matter. Any podcasts I do are like we are the most professional amateurs <laughs> in Star Wars podcasting. And we're not professionals, well, but we're the most professional amateurs. <laughs> no, but you I mean you you've kind of carved out a niche for yourself. You're doing uh, like Beltway Banthas and stuff with Steven. So I mean that's, that's true. You're, that's true. You're producing. And so I you know, I, I think you're pretty professional. We're you know, I try, but I also don't I don't have any delusions of grandeur about whether or not I'm actually professional. I'm just trying to be one. <laughs> that's well, you, you that's my... You at work. You know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. That's how I carve all this out. All right, guys, let's get into it. Let's talk some news. We have something to report. Pleasure, I have good news. Data brought to us by the Botham Spies. You can send a clear transmission. There it is. Listen, listen. We do have a lot of news um, since last week. A lot of tidbits. Um that have happened there they're ongoing leaks and I, I we haven't really covered these in depth on the podcast because there have been so many of them honestly but from the andor shooting set um and i saw some pretty interesting um some photos some leaked set photos nothing spoilery as far as plot goes so we're going to stay out of any plot spoilers but we are going to talk about some of what we're seeing on these set photos uh, as well speaking of disney we got to talk about the uh, concept for the galactic star cruiser hotel we have the uh the star cruiser interior additional interior concept that shows us a little bit about it speaking of disney and then uh dave filoni is it tells you a lot about dave filoni's status in this fandom what happened this last week so yeah uh, we've got all all, all that and and bad batch has been boring so we're going to talk about all those things I'm kidding, not really. Uh, on this, on the news, but let's jump into it uh, with the uh, Andor shooting. Um, it, it seems like locations all around the UK. Every time I see a, another set of spoiler images on Reddit, um, it, I see it's all seems to be Andor related. Now we don't actually know this latest batch that I wanted to talk to you about, Scott. But the uh, I, I do want to talk about this part, which is for Andor. Everything that we've seen, they were filming at a quarry. Diego Luna was running around. Uh, and then this latest batch of photos is from the Scottish Highlands. And mm-hmm. it looks like a partial build of some kind of star speeder. Um, what looks like maybe a rebel encampment of some kind. There are these, these photos remind me of the scale and size of the leaks from the force awakens and last Jedi when they were coming out. I remember like the last Jedi when the, um, when the force tree leaked and it was this huge full sized like set piece in Ireland. It's mm-hmm. and, and and to me that's different. That blows my mind. That is very different than what they're attempting to do with Mandalorian. Um and it makes me wonder like how are they going for like much more Game of Thrones scale budget and size 
for things like the Kenobi series, for the Andor series, maybe even for Book of Boba Fett, instead of the, as cool as the technology is, but the very much smaller world that uh, Mandalorian played with by just utilizing the volume and, and achieving, there was, there's no onset stuff, basically, um, other than what's created inside the volume. And I, I, do you think they're uh, achieving a, shooting for a more epic scale? I think there's, I think it's accessible, so they're going for it. And I don't think it's much more than that. A, a good desert planet is hard to come by these days, especially yeah. the way things are in the Middle East. Mm. Um, but as far as mountains and greenscapes, I mean, they're right there. They've got it right by them. And I think that may be it because, the, I mean, the volume's not a cheapo thing. I don't know if you saw the photos that came out from the Ant-Man set this mm. past week, but they're, they're, they're using the volume. Oh really? I did not yeah. see those. Okay. So it's it's not a thing. I I wouldn't discount the volume as being something that's cheap or discount. I mean, I think it will make things cheaper to make. Yeah, I but think it's it's being used in big projects. For me, Bo, um, I almost said Boba Fett, Book of Boba Fett. But for me, Mandalorian was almost. You noticed how good the volume was. The few times they did go outside of it, it almost seemed much like the episode where they introduced Boba Fett, where it looks like they just kind of went out to the countryside somewhere in Northern California, North Hollywood, and yeah. just shot the stuff there. It, and it, the contrast between that and what they actually did inside the volume is yeah. well, almost more of the, the contrast there. Yeah, but they're already in the UK, and they've got these lush scapes. I, I don't know why they wouldn't just use that. I mean, it, it probably isn't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's cheaper or not, but it's certainly you, – you've got it there. Why not put it to use? Yeah, no, that's true. And I think with – um. I'd be curious with Andor and um, we just have, there's been no official announcements on number of episodes mm-hmm. with Andor, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan, I've heard a rumor that it's a miniseries, that it's six episodes, um, which would make sense if they're still dealing with the um, some amalgamation or, or iteration of that original film script, um, that it would be a shorter number of episodes if it's a more contained story, I guess. Yeah, I had even somewhere I thought I had heard four yeah, I've I've well, seen I've Boba seen Fett's conflicting four, stuff. Though, so that may be where I'm getting confused. Yeah, yeah, um, it is six. Obi Wan is six. I apologize. Yeah, six. Yeah, deadlines reporting. Of course, none of this has been officially announced, but uh, according to Deadline, here it looks like um, they're doing six one-hour episodes. Yeah, um, deadlines usually pretty short. Which and, and the and the stuff for Andor seems like it's longer. That that's going to be more of a traditional serial with uh, with twelve episodes. Um, uh, I, I, it's interesting that they're sort of a little bit all over the place, but I actually like that. There doesn't have to be this consistency of product and streaming. So I'm mm. actually glad that we have variation in running time and a number of episodes. Cause it just tells me that they're hopefully that means they're doing what the story calls for more than <laughs> a serialized 44 minutes, 24 episodes. You know, I forget who we were having the discussion with. It might've been on this program about the length of the episodes of Mandalorian and how I appreciated that they were just kind of all sorts of links because I said, well, that means they're not bowing down to any, you know, template. They're just making the show they want to make and they're letting the story dictate it. And I mentioned that to a buddy of mine who was a screenwriter out in Hollywood mm-hmm. and he started laughing at me. Yeah. And I said, what, what are you laughing at? He goes, dude, those episodes that are really short on Mandalorian are not, because they have a really short story to tell. He said that it is 100% budgetary. Ah. <laughs> oh, okay. He mm. said they're either cutting from those episodes so that they can add more to another episode. He says, it's, trust me, the shorter episodes of Mandalorian are not because of a short story. They're because budget. Mm. Yeah, I get just limiting the effect shots. Yeah. Um, which And you could tell some episodes of The Mandalorian are where they were blowing some serious VFX budget. Yeah. Like the uh, the Water Planet, uh, like oh, that series. Yeah. That that's this like movie quality, and then some of the episodes where it's a lot of a lot of like uh, sitting in a cantina on Tatooine, talking to Cobb Vanth back and Boy, forth. I was going to say you keep going back to that episode, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do. Tell us how you really feel about that episode. <laughs> I know, I know, I do like. Um, I I do love how they did the uh, my favorite part of that whole episode. Uh, or it uh, was the, uh, I almost call it the, the Starlight, but the Crate Dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that which is probably where they blew their entire visual effects. It budget. probably was. <laughs> um, I saw an ILM video of how they did that. It's just crazy, uh, crazy. But you know, one thing they're sparing no expense for is is this freaking Star Wars hotel. Um, oh yes, yeah. If this thing generated so much press initially, and I feel like out, outside of the Disney Star Wars nerd circles, no one's really been talking about it too much recently. Um, the Halcyon or the Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel. Construction has continued. I've been following it closely as as we've gotten updates on some of the Disney Parks blogs. But we actually have an update, not as far as construction, but uh, from the recently released uh, by the one and only Amy Ratcliffe, by the way, uh, Art of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It included a look at the interior hallways uh, and the design of the interior of the Halcyon ship. Uh, and it is very inspired by the Tanta Four. Yes, um, I was, was going <laughs> to say earlier when I saw the picture. I, when I stay there, mm-hmm. not if when, yeah, there will be a real strong temptation to get out in the hallways and start reenacting the opening scene <laughs> of Episode Four. Yeah, I mean, if they're worth their salt, they'll just they'll be sending troopers back and forth to like patrol. Oh yeah, that'd be amazing. Oh, absolutely! No, I'd love it. Uh, this is and this is interesting because you, you and I were talking earlier. We do every other summer. We do a big, big, big stay at Disney World. Yep. And this is a uh, an interesting thing. This Galactic Cruiser because it's a two night, three day experience. Yes. And you don't just go. Well, I'm going to check in for four nights here and do this and do that. It's it's not. I mean, it's not strictly regimented, but it's it's like going on a cruise ship. I think yeah. that's kind of the point of it. It's branded and marketed like a cruise ship. Yeah. And so uh, we're talking about you know, how do we work this into next summer's trip? Because that's just, I mean, it's not even really a question. It's just kind of a, mm. we're going to do this. Um, so we're we're trying to figure out how to work in this stay and then tack it on to our big summer stay and make it all one big trip. Oh, nice! I like it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah the 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 rumors and the concept art so far have been amazing. We just haven't seen any practical stuff from Disney Imagineering yet. Um, but you know they're still at hard work in the construction phase, and we don't know how delayed it what it's been uh, through the pandemic. However, while a lot of projects were delayed or even just canned altogether as far as park expansion goes during covid um this is one of the ones that so that survived um that they did not compromise on and they've been pushing forward with it so yeah i'm really excited only, to see what they the do the only thing is the original opening was going to be fall of 2021 and it has been pushed to next year but other than that yeah yeah yeah, that's true yeah they, they have concepts of an engineering room of lightsaber training um of a really cool silver lounge that looks very, I this might be my favorite one, very, very Coruscant Underworld vibe, which I, by the way, as far as a place I would actually like to, when I think of like places I would like to hang out and grab a drink uh, mm-hmm. in Star Wars, I specifically thinking, I think of uh, my friend Aaron Goins. Because he's <laughs> the, specifically the guy like, would Aaron and I enjoy grabbing a drink there? And if, if you're comparing the types of locations that Aaron and I would most have fun grabbing a drink, places that are closer to the sort of Coruscant underworld vibe. So uh, the Outlander Club. Is yeah, Outlander Club. Much, <laughs> much more our style than, <clears throat> than the traditional Moss Eisley Cantina, not going to lie. Uh, so yeah. I'm excited for this. <laughs> You guys are a little more metropolitan, is what you're telling me. You know, I I feel I uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was trying to think of a better comeback of like something that sounds less pretentious, but you know what? Guilty as charged. <laughs> Guilty as charged. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll include the all this concept art's been floating around a while, but if you haven't had a chance to kind of see all these experiences in one sequence block, Mickey has a great roll up, including the new piece of concept art about the, the hallway and interior design. So I'll have that linked in the show notes uh, for the episode. Um, but that brings me to um, something that I'm probably, it's really interested to see how much of a take you have on this. Um, mm. I, I don't know, Scott, for Dave Filoni, they updated a website. So here's what happened. Yes. What happened was, um, Lucasfilm updated their website uh, to include Dave Filoni's new title, which is executive producer, uh, or he was the he was the executive producer, frequent writer for, of course, Mandalorian, Star Wars Rebels, Bad Batch, 
he's a producer, executive producer, showrunner previously. His new title uh, is executive creative director at Lucasfilm. One of, I think, three, including Doug Chang and um, uh, the guy who started Photoshop, John Knoll. John Knoll, yeah. I think those are the three listed on the website that have that title, which, by the way, if you're going to have creative directors at Lucasfilm, those are three great guys. Here, here. <laughs> to yes. do it. Um, but uh, the some uh, Redditors, of course, as they always do, snooped this out and, and, and started posting it, and it started trending everywhere on social media, across the fan blogs. It turns out this is a position he's been in since the summer, but it sort of became this mo- moment, this movement of celebration um, of like, this is the best thing that could happen. This seemed to be the universal sentiment. Is like, finally, this is the best thing that could happen for Star Wars. Dave Filoni finally getting into a creative leadership role beyond just producing shows. Practically speaking, and you're more plugged into the world of Hollywood and how it works anyway, I feel like, uh, than, than the average fan, including myself. Do you think this is a, a, a signal for a change in the direction and the way that Lucasfilm is approaching storytelling with a lot of these current projects that we're we're talking about, whether it's Andor or Book of Boba Fett or uh, Ahsoka, the series. Does Dave Filoni being in this, and I've never even heard of this type of title or what it means, but executive creative director, does that change uh, or increase his influence in the company when it comes to creative decision-making? Or is that something he would have already been doing as, a, as an executive producer? I think it. I think it does. I think it does give him a little more hands-on on everything. And I think beforehand he was just kind of, well, Dave, you're working on this or you're working on that. And as we know, he's been working to try to expand his skill set. You know, there's been stories about him being on the set of The Last Jedi, learning some things from Ryan Johnson. And uh, obviously, when you're mm-hmm. studying with Favreau, that's not too shabby of an education either. Yes. Um, and, and I think probably that was one of the things that held him back from really being kind of an all-over overseer of storytelling at Star Wars. I, I do think this is kind of one of those things where they say, we've got to have a brain trust. And I think story group was kind of sold that way. Mm. But if you if you read the things that Pablo Hidalgo said and has said, it, it doesn't – in fact, I, it would surprise me to see that the story group, as it was originally constituted, still exists. Um, you know, they, they wound up really being more continuity checkers than anything else. Uh, and they weren't really a place, of, an origin of ideas type of clearinghouse. Uh, and this is what it really sounds like more we've got is kind of an overall Star Wars showrunner. Yes. Well, and I think um, a creative director is not someone who, who, in my mind, makes a decision on the direction or storytelling in your show. I think the showrunners will still be, whether it's Leslie Headland and the Acolyte series or yeah. uh, whether it's John Favreau and The Mandalorian, I think these, these showrunners will still be the guiding light yes, for the show. But which, if by the way, comes make- to them mm-hmm. and they say, oh, wait a minute, the, here, here's what we want to do. And then Filoni can look at it and say, this is not what I learned from George. Hmm. And then he can say, you know, this is let's let's tweak this up. Let's do this a little differently. But, you know, he it's not that it's all got to flow from him, but it's kind of he can keep these guys corralled in the pen and, and keep them flowing and running in the right direction. Hmm. Yes. I also I also have a take as to why it wasn't announced when it happened, because they always I mean, you every yeah. time they added somebody to the story there's, group. Oh, big announcement. There's there's nothing that people in Hollywood love more. Yes. And Lucasfilm in general, like they like making a a, a big, as George would say, a big whoop de doo, yeah, uh, yeah, about these things. And and I think, um, and I did think it was odd that it was just something that was kind of quietly updated on a website. I, and I'll tell you what I think that is. Um, there are a slew of these YouTube guys, and you know the guys I'm talking about, mm. who every other like thirty or forty seconds are doing the Kathleen Kennedy's getting fired. Dave Filoni's going to take over Mm -hmm. uh, videos and believe it. This is coming from inside and it's never coming from inside. Mm. And I think they didn't want to fuel that. Yeah. Because it, it, it's not confirmation of what they said, but I think they could twist it into confirmation of what they said and it could screw up fandom and make, you know, it just, it would just, it would unleash a slew of these videos that already are not helpful. Yeah. 
you're kind of feeding the monster at that point. Yeah, so I think they just said, look, Dave, you've got the position. You know it. You know people want you in it. You know you're the best person for this job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. We're going to do that. We're not going to make some gigantic announcement because, again, that would just open the torrent of, you know, Kathleen Kennedy's getting fired next week. and Yeah. Well, and like you say, I think the, the big news is sort of the, the three guys that they have in that title. Yeah. Uh, Doug Chang, who I met briefly once, by the way, at D23. Um, when they oh, un- did you? they unveiled the Galaxy's Edge model and had like a big uh, expo display there, and yeah. and he was just kind of like he was hanging back in the background, just watching people react to it and walk by and say, "Ooh, look at that! That's where the the crashed X wing is. Ooh, that's where the rise of resistance is going to be." And mm. he was just kind of he was literally there, grinning ear to ear, just seeing people take in you know, this project that he'd worked so hard on. And I loved that about him. And that was like my brief encounter. I, 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 I caught him, I, I saw him and I, I'd recognized him. So I, I, I couldn't help it. I was definitely one of those people. I just sidled over. was like, Hey, I know you're, uh, you're, you're don't mean to bother, but could we grab a selfie? I'm a big fan. Thanks. Doug. He is. Thanks Doug Chang. <laughs> you know, he is, to my way of thinking, and you know, people can mm. down me for this if they need to. Mm. He is the next best thing to Ralph McQuarrie since we don't have Ralph McQuarrie anymore. Not a, not just that. It, to me, as as someone who came up in the in the prequel generation, he is my yeah. Ralph McQuarrie. He is the guy yeah, who true. designed the iconic look of those prequel films. Yeah, um, and did an incredible job doing it. Like he reinvented what star wars visual language is like you think about the naboo starfighter which he designed um it's so left field from anything we'd ever seen in the original trilogy but in my mind it's this iconic ship that's a part of the you know first star wars movie i saw and i have the lego set of it but it but it's it really is a tribute to his skill set it is very different from anything we'd ever seen but at the same time Hmm. it fits yes i mean you look at it and you go yeah that's a star wars ship even though it doesn't, it doesn't look like an X-wing. Doesn't look like Tie Fighter. Doesn't look like a Millennium Falcon at all. It's sleeker and shinier, and you know. But it's still, you look at it, you go, "Yep, mm. Star Wars." There's a design. The, there's a design language there, but it's also there for a storytelling reason, and that's what he got yeah. from. You even see him talking to George in some of those old behind the scenes of the Phantom Menace. Which that's right, guys. We're digging into it. Some of my favorite <laughs> stuff to talk about: Star Wars prequel stuff, uh, nerding out. But yes. you see Doug Chang in the behind the scenes, and he and George are literally talking about the design and why the the ships uh, and the you know armor and the the guards and the royal palace like why it's also opulent and new and fancy and they're yeah. because the naboo are very uh, superior in their mind to the gungans and it's they have to turn to the quote unquote inferior and you know uh tribal uh technologically inferior uh people they have to join together to fight the the threat and so they realize that the 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 gungans are more valuable than we first think of them because of our impression through Jar Jar or the way that the, the, the Naboo think of them uh, when you see the, you know, the conversation with uh, Boss, Nass. Boss Nass. So it's yeah. one of those things that like that there's a whole reason for that visual language and that design that, that, that Doug Chang worked on for, for just, just, just that one example from the Phantom Menace. Yep. Uh, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's, uh, I love that he's in there. John Knoll. I mean, oh, what yeah. do you say about that guy? Yeah, I, I mean, and 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 here's I I think the hopefully this is an indicator of them learning the right lessons because I think it could be easy to learn the wrong lessons when it comes to lessons learned from the sequel trilogy uh, era, and I I think and and you talk about like YouTubers and 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 fandom that has become so reactionary. I don't think the problem is necessarily that Kathleen Kennedy was too hands off. Uh, in her leadership style and, and should have like put a stop no. to the storytelling decisions that you don't like. So like, it, no. I, I really don't think that's the lesson to take away from this because you want a creative director type position to have folks like Doug Chang, like John Knoll, like Dave Filoni who came up under the Lucas era to yep. input and shape the future but certainly not to be the the kind of person like no that's dumb you should do it this way this is the safe bet we should have you know um, yeah but at the same time you, you do have to keep it on the rails yeah i don't know if you do no well at least in this sense uh and scott i'd be kind of curious what you think because i i kind of like the fact 
that um, with this this universe of possibility, I, 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 I'm not going to lie, I like the concept that they originally led with of getting uh, younger, creative, uh, ambitious filmmakers that are willing to take risks to tell star stories within the Star Wars universe um, that are different than the Skywalker saga, quote unquote. And and I think Rogue One works really well for that. I think Rogue One is the perfect example of taking all of the right visual elements, story elements, design elements, uh, character elements of Star the Star Wars mythological language, right? You're using a common language to tell a very different kind of story. It's a it's a tragedy of characters fighting a rebellion in a very different way that it's that you know the the epic saga is and i actually think it works really well and and so i part of me was i am hoping we get that when when i say like ambitious creative new vision for a star wars story within the star wars universe that's what i'm talking about i'm not talking about like josh trank wanting to do whatever the hell he wants with boba <laughs> fett right no i think there's a balance to it but i do think that it it would be easy to play it too safe um yeah, no i don't disagree with that but at the same time do keep in mind that rogue uh, one is a brilliant example of they went in and tinkered and tinkered and tinkered with that movie. Mm, uh, it true. wasn't it wasn't the cut as we all know that Gareth Edwards originally made. In fact, he pretty much was relieved for the second half of it. Yeah, uh, that they went back did massive reshoots, massive reedits. I mean, there's a pile of stuff in the trailer that's not in the film, and. So it's a little bit of both. It is somebody setting off and doing something new, but still retaining the Star Warsiness of it. But you also, I mean, the stuff that I've read anyway was that they, they very much after the first screening said, "Oh, this is a war film. We wanted a Star Wars film," mm-hmm. and they went and made it more Star Warsy. So you, you yeah. kind of have a hybrid of the two things you're talking about here. That's true, and maybe that's why it works so well as they were able to figure out that balance somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Solo did a good job of it too. Um, yeah, I think it had I, problems for I, I different reasons. For yeah, yeah, but I, I think um, that's where um, Star Wars Rebels worked very well that way. I think it had a core cast of characters that that made sense in the in the universe of Star Wars. Some some were more meaningful to me and clicked with me more than others, but it definitely had the sort of Star Wars flair. But uh, it was still uh, a different type of story than we'd seen oh. before. I'll tell you why I'd like to see a different type of storytelling in Star Wars these days. Mm-hmm. And I'm the old grizzled guy. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, I'm, yeah, hit me. I'm OT guy, but there are only so many people who could have escaped Order 66. <laughs> there are only, you know what I mean? There are only so many dark style Jedi type people that can be working on behalf of the Empire before. All the stuff that happens in the original trilogy doesn't make sense. Mm. You know, you, my friend, are all that is left of their religion. Except for this guy, those five guys <laughs> over there, these two guys, and that one lady. Except you know, the seventh sister and the yeah. ninth brother and the... Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, oh, boy, you're the last of the Jedi. Oh, except Cal for Kesta. these guys in Ahsoka. Ahsoka will never die. She'll never, <laughs> ever, ever die. And, and I think that's a missed mm. opportunity. Yeah. You know, I think we're get, we're getting something maybe with Bad Batch. Um, I, they're they're leaning into this direction that might be something pretty fresh for Star Wars, certainly but, for but, Star Wars animation. But you know that she's she's going to be hunting down Thrawn pretty soon. So yeah, she, that's true. She's no. not going to miss it. But yeah, they are doing different things with Bad Batch. Now let me let me preface this. Mm-hmm. I'm a bad fan. Uh oh. I've yet to watch Bad Batch. <laughs> I've yet to watch you started it. to shame me when I led the show with <laughs> with some of some 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 complaints that I have. <laughs> hey, hey, let me. Um, well, I don't have those complaints. <clears throat> That's true. <laughs> Allow me to pull out my complaint list. We've got uh, uh, no. I'm, I'm not going to do. I'd that, like no. to speak to the manager, please. I'd like to speak to the new. What is it? Uh, creative director, <laughs> Dave Filoni, please. Um, no, I I do want to talk Bad Batch. Uh, we won't get into spoilers for that reason, since you haven't seen it. Uh, are you spoiled? I guess there's not really a lot to spoil, which tells you something. Well, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, my son. G-Man is doing a a podcast, a Bad Batch podcast, so it's hard to avoid what? the chatter about. It. Yeah, and you have with the Deuce, the Deuce Cast guys. <laughs> okay, and you still, but you still haven't caught up. Have they invited you on yet? 
No. Well, mm. no. First off, they do it at like 10 o'clock at night, and you know, my alarm clock goes off at 11.20 or 3.20, 3.20 in the morning. So uh, the other thing is, and again, let me further mark myself as a bad <laughs> fan. Here we go. I'm still stuck in season two of Clone Wars. Mm. I just, there's just so much, and I just uh, haven't been able to get to it. Mm. I'll so be a, I didn't want to start Bad Batch until I finished Clone Wars. That's fair. No, you are correct about that. I would also go off of the Essential Episodes guide. A couple people have made them and, mm-hmm. and jump through. Now I'm being the bad fan to recommend that you skip any Clone Wars episodes. But it really does. Like There are definitely what the quote-unquote filler episodes, but really like the... Um, they're the episodes where so and so and the gang go on adventure to so and so, and we learn more about them as people, and nothing changed. Um, that there are a lot of those in Clone Wars, and now there's a couple of those in Bad Batch. <laughs> so, Already, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna. So the first episode's incredible, and of course we saw it in the trailer. It chronicles the events of Order sixty six. We talked about this in the last in last week's show, but um, or on the last episode, it was it it was amazing. But the 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 teenage mutant ninja turtles feel is is kind of real on this most recent mm. one like um the first episode was awesome the last 3 have followed a sort of theme of omega um the female character gets in trouble but it's all because she's curious and inexperienced and doesn't know anything about the world cuz she's grown up with the communoans so but she's also something that we don't really know what it is, but there's definitely a bounty on her head now. So we want to know like what type of clone she is or is she a clone and what's her connection to the bad batch or to the Django fed. And the coolest thing about it, and I don't think this is super, super spoilery Scott, but I, the, the most interesting potential is the Kaminoans themselves and how they're interacting with the empire and, and, and how they've explicitly talked about how they're becoming irrelevant and the empire wants to go with normal recruits um, instead of the clones because it's too expensive and they think that they can get normal recruits just as good. Yes, they um, can just go steal them. Exactly. So yeah. um, there's Recruit. there's this interesting dynamic and, and then the comedians in a, in a sidebar conversation are, are conversing amongst themselves that they need to go to phase three because the genetic material of Django Fett has been deteriorating and, and we mm. don't know what that is. So that's the cool thing. That was brought up in the first episode. The three episodes since then haven't really given us any more information on that. And that's what uh, I, I want to know as a fan is they've teased me. And I'm really curious on like what this phase three thing is. And I, and I really think that's going to be the future where the, is like the remainder of the clone army. And, and, it, and if the betrayers become the betrayed. Like I think that's, that's going to be the interesting plot twist. But I think um, I, we haven't really gotten there yet. It's been, it's been side quests so far. Because we really haven't seen any clone stormtroopers in any of the OT no. through to the sequel trilogy, so no, and that's and they're explicitly going to show us why. At least that's what they're mm. hinting at. Um, so they could have their own kind of Order sixty six with could committed on the clones. I see. That's the direction I think they're hinting at. Which, mm. by the way, kind of gets into um, the composers, uh, uh, Kiner Brothers Music, which is the um, uh, Twitter handle Kevin. for Kevin Kiner tweeted the following been working on the finale of hashtag the bad batch quick question is it normal to be working on a cue so hard that you start crying oh and wow. so he's like you know it's hinting at something big going down in the finale and it makes me wonder if it's gonna be um the the eradication by violent means of the clone of the remaining clones or if there's some kind of clone rebellion of sorts where the Kaminoans are the ones to turn on the empire since the empire isn't giving them the deal they want. Like, does that become a, a story element? So I think that's the direction they're heading to. The last three episodes have been like a, a, a supply run and a, and a side quest or two. Um, and, 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 you know, ultimately there's some interesting character moments as we go along and get to know them. So that's been good. But as far as like the meat on the bones for what I'm looking for as a star Wars fan, aren't seeing it yet. There's so, a quickie review. <laughs> What they what they may need to do is then repopulate the galaxy with Jedi, starting with that hair they plucked off of Yoda when he came to pick up the clone <laughs> army in Attack of the Clones. There we go, just a bunch of a bunch of baby what? Whoa, what? <laughs> what? Hang on. Um, no, that'd be pretty sweet. Not gonna lie. Hmm. Uh, all right, let's uh, enough of that on Bad Batch. I know you haven't seen it yet. I'm, uh, I'll let you catch up on five and a half seasons of Clone Wars and all, right. all Star Wars Rebels. I know Rebels. I have to hate. I know I have to hate 
Bad Batch now. Yes. Thank you. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. One hundred percent. As you wish. Uh, it's Boba's Bounty. You guys know it. It's time, as always, to talk about something that we have read or experienced or done in the world of Star Wars in the last week or so. Um, you know, brought to you by and supported by, I also want to throw the shout out. I forgot to last week, but uh, patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. You can support us directly and get access to some sweet bonus content like Scott and my uh, conversation about all things Disney parks and resorts that we were doing in the pre-show. It's called Rogue Transmissions, an exclusive podcast available only on the Star Wars Report Patreon page. You can feel good knowing that you're supporting the show directly and that all of y'all's uh, financial support goes directly into improving the show for equipment, hosting fees, all that fun stuff, especially with uh, conventions coming back. Uh, we're we're mm-hmm. eyeing the next uh, set of convention coverage we're going to try to do for the podcast. So uh, get in on it, patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. Uh, for Boba's Bounty this week, Scott, I, I gotta say, it's I don't know how good of a Boba's Bounty this is because it's me getting rid of Star Wars crap. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, by the way, for calling me on that. <laughs> you know, like, I felt bad. Like, I don't know this guy who collects Star Wars books, but I'm just going to give everybody else all my books. That was great. <laughs> I did. Well, I posted it to the Patreon page, uh, uh, actually. as I, I decided to... Uh, this is the Star Wars thing I did, and I, I can I can frame this in a more positive light, right? I want I was cu- I'm curating my Star Wars collection, mm. aka I'm getting rid of a bunch of my fiction Star Wars books, <laughs> like mm. all of them, um, because it became a little unru- as as a member of the United States military, I move every few years, and I realized right now that if I continue to collect all of the Star Wars fiction as it comes out. This is going to become a very untenable situation long term. So I decided that I'm going to focus my book collection on source guides, behind the scenes material, art books, coffee table books. That's the kind of stuff that brings me the most joy that I really get into as a fan. I enjoy reading the occasional Star Wars fiction book, um, but not so much collecting them. So down to even a few that uh, I'm not saying which ones. Uh, even a few with autographs. Uh, I sent. I just uh, mm-hmm. put on put the messages out there for uh, those of you supporting me on Patreon. A couple Star Wars buds. I let you have a crack at it, Scott. <laughs> like the, yeah. the five that were left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. After I sent you a text, I'm like, I'm reading the thing, and you're giving away the. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. True story. True story. But I, I I feel actually really good about it because one, I know they're going to people who will appreciate them, read them, collect them. And um, also, too, it kind of gives me a focus when it comes to my Star Wars uh, collection, limited though yeah. it may be. How about That's you, Mr. About Scott? Uh, well, for uh, $975 this week, I picked up a copy of Heart of the Jedi on eBay. No, that's not true. I'm sorry. That's- <laughs> <laughs> nice. But I will say that when it was available, I did get two, just in case. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm hoarding an extra copy of Heart of the Jedi. So. Yep. Uh, Mark just finished it the other week. I'm actually doing – I probably shouldn't say this. Uh-oh. But – and this is not my Boba's bounty, but – you know, and, I, and here's the thing is I may say this, and then it may not happen. <laughs> Uh, so no one's listening. Don't worry, Scott. This. Just tell me. Just tell me. It's just you. Um, well, I told you. Or yeah, it's just us. I feel like like you're Connie Chung and I'm Newt's mom. <laughs> um, I, I okay. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. You know me, and I've been riding my bike and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. when I ride my bike, I put audio books on, mm-hmm. and I've been recording the book as a narration. Oh, interesting. Just, just. You know, because I figure there's some people who want the story and don't, you know, won't have an opportunity to read it for whatever reason. And I thought, or they don't have time to read it or whatever. There are people who just read through audiobooks. And I thought, yeah, I should do this as a service to people. And, nice. uh, you know, if it doesn't happen in the next month or so, then I've given up on it. But <laughs> I've got a few chapters in the in the can. I haven't produced it up or anything. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I kind of thought... You know, I know I'm going to read it, but I thought, well, when I read it, it ought to count for something, and I can just read it out loud into it because you know I kind of am a professional voice guy. You do this for a living, yes. Yeah, so I thought, well, I'll do that, and mm-hmm. 
I'll try and make it available to people if they if I finish it and if so, they decide they want it. So what you're saying is if you needed encouragement to put you over the top, if people who are interested in listening to an audio <laughs> version of Heart of the Jedi, uh, the genre-defying, Amazon-defying, and Star Wars publishing-defying uh, yes. Legends book, the hashtag Continue Legends campaign, uh, you can email starwarsreport@gmail.com and put subject line Heart of the Jedi so that we know that you want a copy and you're interested. Yeah, I will forward those emails to 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 uh, Scott to motivate him. Okay, yeah, because I may not be motivated otherwise. That's true. <laughs> there you go. Uh, like but it. my actual Boba's bounty. Can you see me right now? I sure can. Okay, see what I have on. Empire Strikes Back. We got the original theatrical poster, right? Drew Struzan. Well, actually, that's not what this is. That's, oh. that's not Drew Struzan. No, for sure. no. Um, but what this is is not the poster. This is the cover of the novelization. Oh. And this is from outofprint.com. Okay. And outofprint.com does book-related merchandise. And I've eyeballed their stuff for a long time. And I finally took the plunge because on May fourth, okay, they did a they did a two for one Star Wars sale. Oh, so, whereas their shirts are normally thirty bucks each, mm-hmm. uh, these were fifteen each to get it this way. So I got this, which is uh, on the front. It's you know it's blue. It's got that the as they call it the Gone with the Wind poster. Yes, yes, and the logo. But it is literally it's a blue shirt. It looks like the front cover of the, the original printing of the novelization. On the back, it's got the blurb. From the back cover of the novelization. Oh, that's cool. And uh, yeah, I also got the Return of the Jedi one, which is it's cool to me for a couple of reasons. One, it's the original cover for the novelization with the blurb from the back on the back. Mm-hmm. But it also is I mean, nobody uses that style A poster anymore from Return of the Jedi. No. Mm-mm. Even when you go to classic Return of the Jedi art, they'll go with the style B poster, which came out later. But the you know, the original release poster was the two hands holding up the blue lightsaber with mm-hmm. the little tiny death star too and uh, i i just i love that image and i never see it enough and i want to celebrate the books so i got those two i am about to order they have also in the star wars set a bunch of pro reading books you know little yeah character i'm looking things. through the their site right yeah. now yeah and they have the original november 1976 release of star wars the novel mm-hmm. i actually just ordered that last night and they have an heir to the empire Yep, but, I, just, I just pulled that up. Yeah, that looks yeah, really cool. I can't get it right now because they're out of larges and extra larges. And, uh, mm. you know, a year ago I was a 3X, and now I've lost all my Xs. <laughs> so. Yeah. Always a good thing to lose, though, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm at a, a 135 so far. So I got it. I, I think I saw on the, on, the, on the social media that you and Adam Bray almost did a, uh, a dual show. Yeah. With uh, Rule the Galaxy, which I would definitely listen to. Um, I love those guys. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be that'd be awesome. I'll try to do it. I was on a couple weeks ago. It was a lot of fun. So yeah, oh yeah. Um, I got they have so much. They have the um, uh, from the Adventures of Luke Skywalker style vintage Macquarie T-shirt. Yeah, that's the original. Sweet. That's the November '76 release of the novel. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. doesn't have a logo. It's just a yellow type, just a yellow. Mm-hmm. Sans serif font. Yep, yep. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, that's so the one I have ordered now. It's outofprint.com. So. I will link to it uh, uh, for in the show notes for this episode. Yeah, as How's a that? book guy, if you are a book guy, and a lot of you are, mm-hmm. uh, Herleman's a book guy. Yep, yep. Uh, you'll love it. You'll love it, love it, love it. I love it. Yeah, I will, uh, yep, like I say, links right there. Let's hit a quick uh, bit of feedback before we jump out of the show this week. Uh Got an email from Andy. Says, hey, Riley, Andy Beck, living here, live here in San Diego. I've uh, been a while, but I thought I'd drop a line to encourage you. Now, by the way, this is me catching up on Ancient Inbox. I just went back and looked, and, and I feel awful. This is from March. Uh, so this is right after the uh, – well, you'll see. You'll see. He says, um, loved your latest podcast, how you talked about just being a Star Wars fan, period. Love that. Staying out of the minutia that is politics of things is key to a good experience. I mean, we should all just be fans of Star Wars in the end and appreciate that people have different likes and opinions in our own. It's almost uh, about how you've been brought up, but we won't get into that. LOL, the monkey throwing blue thing is classic. It made me laugh hard. Which, you know what, Andy? I appreciate that you like that analogy. 
that I a hundred percent stole from Kevin Williamson. But uh, it's, it's oh no, <laughs> the, I didn't realize that. And I remember when you, I sent you a text when you did that. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan. I, I I gave it a Star Wars spin, but yeah, his um he has a book that oh forget the name of it what it's called um but it, that that had a great uh oh my gosh what was it called Kevin Williamson. So this is what this is. I, I won't be happy until I actually uh, do. There it is. The smallest minority: independent thinking in the age of mob politics uh, by Kevin Williams. And it kind of reminded. I read the opening of uh, that book, and it reminded me so much of Star Wars. Fandom. Okay, so that's Kevin D. Williamson, <laughs> Kevin, not Kevin Williamson from Scream. No, no, yeah, Kevin D. Williamson, Creek. different, different okay. political commentator. But that's neither here nor there. I appreciate that you enjoyed the episode. And Andy, I didn't email you back. I will actually email him back. But uh, he was really kind and offered to uh, to help out with some research topic ideas or things for the show. So I appreciate that and just want to give a shout out. Uh, Andy's been a longtime listener and supporter of the Star Wars Report. So thanks so much for uh, sending us a shout out, Andy. And I uh, hope you're hearing this and hope you're doing well out there on the opposite coast, staying safe in San Diego. Uh, beautiful city, beautiful city, San Diego. Uh, I'd never been until Comic Con a couple years ago, and I it's still I still regret I didn't really get to see as much of the city as I'd like, but I uh, had a great time out there. So, Andy, thanks for listening. On that note, I think, ladies and gents, we are going to wrap up this episode of the Star Wars Report podcast. We have something to. If I hit the right button, there we go. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I'm not a. I'm struggling, man. You think this? I think the app makes it worse that I actually got a fancy soundboard app just to make everything uh, flow smoothly, right? I think I was whoops. smoother when I was just using iTunes. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> but that is going to wrap up this episode of the Star Wars Report podcast, episode 467 in the can. Mr. Scott Rifen, tell the good people where they can find you on the internet. Uh, you can find me over at Rifen on uh, Twitter. You can find it at My Star Wars Story. You can also do Facebook.com slash Rifen. I'm all there. And I'm on the iHeartMedia app under Scott Rifen. Easy. Makes it very easy to find. Uh, I like how iHeartMedia app will do segments of the show. So if you guys are into uh, political commentary, uh, you can definitely check that out on the iHeartMedia app. Uh, be I careful. Do that. Yeah, always be the um, trigger warning for sure. It's It's politics. <laughs> Uh, and as you know, which is what we don't get into, which is what Andy likes. So if you want that kind of stuff, check it out. Uh, also, um, make sure that you follow us at Star Wars Report on Twitter, facebook.com slash Star Wars Report. I'd like, uh, for my personal plug, uh, just go to uh, youtube.com slash Riley is Riley. That's the only thing I had. Uh, R I L E Y. Riley is Riley. Uh, that is my YouTube channel. And I just posted. Uh, it's not specifically Star Wars related, but it has some Disney flavor. I posted a video diary of sorts of uh, our recent trip to Hawaii. That's how the locals say it, Scott. Hawaii. I did not know. Uh, that. So uh, we, we we like a, a grand tour. That's the word I'm looking for. We do a, a grand tour of sorts of the Alani Resort. Speaking of Disney talk, it's been a lot of Disney talk uh, in the periphery of this Star Wars report recording, yes. including. This week's Rogue Transmissions podcast episode. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. Support the show directly. Get some sweet bonus content. Uh, and we do thank and appreciate every single one of you guys who's doing that. Uh, and especially as we get into the summer and have some cool new content plans coming your way. So stay tuned on that. Uh, until next time, I'm just going to say may the force be with you. And remember, many Bothans died to bring you this podcast. Fun fact, that's actually Bill Clinton on the saxophone, right? It's, um, oh, wow. There's like a, there's a political reference. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me wrap this sucker. Scott?